Good morning, Glad Tidings family. How's everybody? Whoa, I heard somebody say Pastor Ralphie. <laughs> I guess I am with family. That's what my family calls me. Everybody doing well? All right. So love is. They're looking out for that. That's a sermon on relationships. Different speakers, different flavors. And yes, we're going to be talking about S-E-X. All right. It's needed. We need to talk about stuff that people are talking outside of the church, right? Good, good, good. So Pastor Walt is with family in Colorado with his family. They're enjoying a vacation. So he sends you greetings. Um, yes, and I... I made him promise not to do any crazy stuff. You know, you guys heard his story of skiing in Colorado, right? He ended up taking a jump and then duct taping his pole to his hand that he couldn't move. Well, he took a couple of mountain bikes. I said, hey, uh, no jumping. So, yeah, just teasing. But they're having a good time. And we're, we're glad that they're able to, to take some time away and rest and spend time with the family. So. Um, how many of you feel like sometimes your, your life is getting a little crazy and out of control? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. I, I warn you, this is an interactive sermon, meaning that when I say something, when I ask something, you answer, okay? All right. We're cooking. Even if you don't know how to answer, you say something. Ah, a couple of you did say something. All right, so I'm feel, this is how I'm feeling right now. Like my life is sometimes out of control, you know, in this particular time. Everything going on here, glad tidings. You know, we are uh, packing right now boxes and stuff. And I don't know, we had so much stuff. We're getting ready to move this week. And then both my sons playing baseball, tons of baseball. They're out of school and just like things are so crazy. And sometimes I feel like, Jesus, take the wheel. Just... I give up control, right? So a friend of mine sent me this picture, and I want to share it with you guys this morning. So, Jesus, take the wheel. Manuel and Jose, hold the mattress. All right. You may take it down. Yes. And since we're moving, Pastor Jason and Carissa are moving. Pastor Drew and Morgan are moving as well. This moving, I thought that fit. So, good, good, good. So, um, you know, many of you are familiar with anticipation, an expectation, right? You know, when, when you know that something is coming and something good is coming, especially if you, if you like what's coming and you're filled with expectation, that's where my family and I have been for the last over 45 days. You know, we knew that we, we, that we got this house. We sold our house. We purchased a new house, but we've been waiting. And it's like this anticipation, you know, what are we going to buy? What do we need for the new house? What do we got to get rid of? You know? Because no longer works for the new space and the pain in the walls. And what pain are we going to change? And I don't like that. But um, my wife loves it. So, you know, just all this anticipation. It feels weird because um, also, I don't know if it happens to you guys. But so we're living in, in the house we live at right now, which is already sold. So it's weird because we feel like it's not ours, but we're living there. And then the people that are living in my house, they, they're still there, like my new house. So... It's like they're living in my house, and, but I'm still here. So spiritually speaking, does anybody sometimes, anybody here sometimes you feel like you're living in a place you don't want to be and you look forward and there are people living where you want to be, right? Yeah, that happens. So, um, you know, the waiting that we're, that we're having to do right now um, has a date attached to it, you know? And today 
I'm going to be speaking to you. The title of this message is the in-between place. Okay? So it's like we're here in like the dash. And then you want to be there. Right? So, you know, our waiting has not really been that bad because we have a date. So this Wednesday we close on the house and this Friday we move. So we have a date attached to it. Um, how many of you guys like waiting for something and not knowing when it's going to happen? Let me see your hands. You love that. One person. Oh, my goodness. We've got to pray for you, sister. Um, so how many of you like to know when something's going to happen, something that you're expecting? Everybody in the house. All right. I'm in the, in the right crowd this morning. Well, I want to talk to you guys about a story that many of you are very familiar with. But I love the story, and it's the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph uh, went from his father's house to the pit, to, the, to Potiphar's house. Then after that, to prison, and then to the palace, and ultimately to his destiny. So I want to talk to you guys about that in-between place this morning. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 7, beginning in verse 2. I mean, 37, sorry. Beginning in verse this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the son of his father's wives, Bilhap and Silpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Verse 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were, we were out on the field. Tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundles stood up. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about, about it. Listen. I had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as, as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he said. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to, you, to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, O oh God. I thank you, Father, that is like a double-edged sword that pierces through skin, flesh, bone, and marrow, O oh God. Thank you that your word goes forth and accomplishes that which you intended it to do, O oh God. Father, I pray that our ears may be attentive, may be open to what your spirit is saying. I pray that your spirit will move in this place and speak. May not me my voice, O oh God, but yours. I pray, O oh God, that you hide this fivel vessel behind the cross of Jesus Christ, that the cross will be well represented. And I pray, O oh God, that the blood of Jesus 
may be in the doorpost of every heart here represented, oh God. We bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this story is fascinating to me. So we heard, we read it just now, read the part of the story. So Joseph comes and has two dreams. And then he tells his brothers first, the first dream. Then he goes and includes his dad on the second dream. The one thing that we see here, the one thing that we do not see is that if Joseph gave them the interpretation of the dreams, right? See that he told them the dream, but two things we know. The interpretation was correct, as we were going to read later on. So, because they say, are are you going to be ruling over us, right? The same thing that the dad said. And the other thing that we do know is that Joseph, God had given Joseph the the gift of interpreting dreams. So perhaps Joseph did say something about the meaning of this, of, of this dreams. Look at verse eight real quick in verse eight, the latter part of the verse, it says, and they headed him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So he was talking about these dreams, right? So, um, one thing that is very interesting to me is how Joseph's father, Jacob, scolded him because he told him the dream. Have you ever had a dream or a word from God? God has given you a promise. And people around you, close to you, do not understand it. I've been there before. You know, and so, so he goes and tells his dad. His dad scolds him for it. And I'm thinking... Uh, Joseph, keep your mouth shut, boy. (laughs) After the first dream did not go so well, you know, he goes and tells his brother and they hate him more than before. And then he includes dad in the revelation of his newfound, his new dream. As like, Joseph, why can't you just keep your mouth shut? Just don't say anything. But see, the flip side of that is God needed Joseph to open his mouth. Because Joseph was getting ready to enter into that in-between place where he was going to suffer some anguish. And God was going to use that anguish and that turmoil in his life to propel him into his destiny. So if he kept his mouth shut, none of the rest of the stuff would have happened. May I propose to you that maybe some of the anguish that you're going through right now in your life, some of the turmoil, this was God is using To take you to your destiny. You know. I got a a quick illustration. um, Just a little story in in my own personal life. Going through through, in that in between place and going through that anguish. So. when we were like, we had two years here, my wife and I, <clears throat> little, little guy, um, about 18 months old or so, um, man, we knew that God, or I knew that God had called me and I felt the call of God in my life. There was another brother in the Lord, you know, he was a, a small group leader and a good friend of mine and he felt called and he went to, he was going to do a church plant and things were just lining up. Things were really lining up. Um, for that to happen. And so he asked me, he said, Raphael, will you come and be my associate pastor? 
So I prayed and I was like, man, yeah, yeah, this is this is from God. This, let's do this thing. Let's go and, and do it. I got the blessing from the from the pastoral staff here, Glad Tidings. And we went 10, close to 11 months. We went to do this church plant. I'm like, yeah, God, it was horrible. I'm not lying. It was horrible. It was a bad experience. So. After that. That did not work out. I ended up leaving, coming back to glad tidings, feeling that I was a failure. And I'm like, what have I done? What have I done? And then I start saying this, did that I. Asking myself this question, did I really hear from God? Did I really hear from God? And today, guys, I can't answer that question. But one thing I know for a fact is that if I had not been there, I would not be here today. You get what I'm saying? That place prepared me for this place. What I learned in those 11 months... I need for now. Those 11 months taught me things that no seminary can teach you. That you can't learn in a book. It was first-hand experience. Pursuing that church plan was the beginning of that in-between place for me. Coming to Glad Tidings, wrestling with that failure, like I said, questioning my calling and my purpose... You know, being lazy about pursuing God. When I first came here, I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to cross my arms and whatever. Um, Questioning my identity. This was huge. I came back saying I cannot hear from God. The gifts that I know that God had given me went dormant because I said, I will not. -uh, That's not from God. That's my flesh. Very dangerous place to be. But I've learned many great things in the in-between place. I learned great, great things as I have I partnered with the Holy Spirit. I learned to draw closer to Jesus, to hear the voice of the Spirit, and to wait on the Lord, which is very difficult for me. Kind of impatient. How many of you here will, will say, hey, I'm impatient. Let me see your hands. I want to know if it's it right. There's a bunch of you. Good, good. All right. Not only me, don't want to be singled out here. You know, our culture and our technology and how fast we're moving has kind of moved us to really expect things to happen very quickly. You know, for example, I pulled up a a, a few things and, um, you know, back in the days, it was like you needed to wait until the morning to get your news, right? Like the news, you have to read a paper, you know? Like, go in the morning and go to your... Now, on my phone, like, Channel 7 sends me alerts. Boom! Like, right away. I don't have to watch the news. Nothing. Like, boom. I just get it. Right? That's how, how we... Uh, how that... In the, the information that, that we uh, receive has changed. How we receive information. <clears throat> in 1869, from Omaha to Chicago, many of you that like to travel to Chicago, it used to take... 25 and a half hours by train. Now, seven and a half you drive driving, if it's me, six, and one and a half if you're flying. All right? Um, 
And, you know, like fast food, microwave, next day or same day delivery, all of those things I blame for my impatience, okay? But in all seriousness, you know, God is not impatient. And the way that he keeps time is not the same way that we keep time. Second Peter 3, 8 and 9 say this, and I'm reading out of New Living Translation, all of these scriptures. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Learning to wait on the Lord is crucial. It is very, very important when you are in this in-between place. Noah waited. Abraham waited. Moses waited. Jacob waited. David waited. The 120 in the upper room, they had to wait for a gift. Jesus waited. How about you? Huh? Can you or will you wait on the Lord? It's a question I want you to ponder in your heart. Let's go back to Joseph. You know, in the rest of uh, Genesis 37, we see that Joseph and his, his brothers tried to kill him. They plotted to kill Joseph. But Reuben didn't want his brother to be killed. So he offered a solution. He offered an alternative. It's like, let's throw him in this pit. And his plan was later on when they're not around, I go and rescue him out of the pit. Right. You see, Satan has a plan to take you out. He has a plan to take you out. But God has a Reuben in your life. See, my wife many times was the Reuben in my life. When I felt like, no, I don't hear from God. She's like, hey, honey, now you, yeah, let's, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Yeah, you hear from God. And she was a, the one that would not let Satan take me out. God has a Reuben in your life. You know, after he was put in the pit, then his brother said, hey, we don't have to kill him. We could sell him to this Ishmaelites, uh, to this traders, to the Ishmaelite traders that were coming by. So they sold him for 30 pieces of silver for 20. Actually, Jesus was sold for 30. Jesus was sold just like Joseph was. Ain't you glad? No, you're not. But I'm going to tell you this. You should be glad. When you get sold out, when you get sold out, that means that the process has begun. The process of you going towards your destiny has begun. I felt sold out, especially coming to Jesus. All of my friends, boom, they're all gone. All of everything, everybody that, whoa, like, where, where, are your, where are your friends, where are your people, with your bras, all of this, blah, blah, blah. Oh, everybody was gone, sold out, talking behind my back and all of these other things, right? But be glad when that happens. You just enter into that in-between place where God is getting ready to do some amazing things. Look at me to uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 39. Let's see what happens. So he gets he gets sold to the Ishmaelite traders. And then the Bible says when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served the home of his Egyptian master. 
Listen. See what it says on verse 2? It says, The Lord was with Joseph. You need to realize that God is with you in the in-between place. God is with you in that in-between place. Joseph did not forget that God was with him. And that's why he succeeded in everything he did. And you may be telling me, you say, Raphael, but you don't understand. Uh, Joseph was succeeding in everything he did, but I'm not. And I may ask you, did you forget that God is with you? See, that's key. Joseph was not forgetting that God was with him. Why? Because it says in verse 2 that Joseph served in the home of his Egyptian master. He was serving. He was being faithful where God had him. Can you say this with me? Lord, help me to be faithful where you have me. May it be so. So Potiphar sees what's going on and sees that, that this guy is amazing. And he puts him in charge of everything he owned. He made him his personal attendant. And look at verse 5. It says, from the day Joseph was put in charge of, of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. Things were going really well for Joseph at this time. He gets noticed by the boss. He gets a promotion. He gets an increase. He has more influence. Things are going amazing. You know, and even, even, even Potiphar himself. I love how God operates. Potiphar himself is, is, is being blessed. Things are running smoothly. His livestock and his fields, everything is just going amazingly well. Do you realize that someone's blessing rests on, on the fact that you are near them? Do you realize that you're kingdom bringers? Do you realize that God's blessing upon you, God's favor upon you brings blessing to those around you? I fully believe that. You know, Potiphar was being blessed, not by who he was, but who was in his house. And that's important. Sometimes we need to get ourselves out of our holy huddle and come in contact with some people outside of that huddle that need a blessing. Um, you know, Potiphar's, that things are going great for Joseph and Potiphar's house is doing great. But, um... There was a problem with Potiphar's house. There was definitely a problem with Potiphar's house. When you are in the in-between place, Potiphar's house is the most dangerous place to be. The most dangerous place to be. Why? Because it's a place where you can compromise. Because it's a place where things are going so well that you can forget, you could forget what the promise was. See, what was the problem with Potiphar's house? That Joseph was still a slave. What was the problem, the problem with Potiphar's house? That Potiphar's house was not the fulfillment of the, problem, of the promise. That's the problem. How many of you in life, you've gone from bad to good and you say, 
I'm here. I arrived. I've been there. You know, in my, in my previous employer, um, you know, a couple of things just talking about the whole thing. You're a blessing when you come into a place. Um, I don't know if I was going to share this, but I feel the freedom to do so. So I'm going to. Um, you know, since I was there for 16 years and through that time, we were always, always getting a 100% bonus. Our bonuses were, were contingent upon the performance of the company overall, right? You buy low, sell high, right? Make good profit. We were always getting 100% bonuses. It was great. The first year I left, it went down 80%. And it's been going down ever since the day I left. So much so that the guys I used to work with tell me, hey, can you please come back? But there was a, par- a purpose for that. And I get to talk to him and say, hey, it's just because Jesus loves me more than you. I truly believe that. Um, I didn't think you guys were going to ha- laugh that hard at that. Um, but the, see, and, and things happened. That was my in-between place. That was my old job was my Potiphar's house. Things were going great. I started from the bottom, started moving up. The guy was doing some amazing things. I was not saved when I started there. But I used to pray because I had a prayer mom. I used to say, hey, God, can you help me in this job? Can you help me do good? Okay, amen. Thank you. And, and after I got saved, I said, man, God, honor that. As a heathen. I was living that like the devil, but he knew the ultimate goal. But see, things started going so well that people were like, ah, the golden boy. Things like I would hear things like, oh, one of the young guns in the company. The future, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I started thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, maybe I didn't hear from God about my calling. Maybe um, I'm just supposed to be a marketplace evangelist. Yeah, that's good. That sounds good. That sounds like it fits. So I left my schooling, like studying for ministry. I forget all that. And, you know, life got busy. And I said, I'm just too busy. Kid here and all this stuff. Until one day praying, minding my own business. The Holy Spirit says, hey. Anybody there? Yeah, I'm here. Do I need to pull the security blanket that you will obey me? And the Lord literally was like, I could have you lose your job this week. What would you do then? Would you listen then? Um, and I had to repent, come to my knees and say, God, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. Just show me. And I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a, a, a plan at all. All I knew was I went and talked to my uh to my room and <laughs> was talking to my wife and I said, you know, this is what God is saying. What do we do? What do I do? She said, just go back to what you were doing before. That makes sense. So I'm back to taking my classes and stuff like that. I went to Pastor Mark. I finished my first year. What do I do? Pastor Mark says, well, are you, you got a decision? Like are you going to go serve somewhere at a church or something? No, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't heard anything. Keep on studying. I continue studying, you know. So. This is very important when you are in Potiphar's house. Do not forget that there was a promise. And if you're still a slave, the promise has not been fulfilled. Okay? Let's go back to Joseph. Uh, Potiphar's wife then, when he was in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife notices Joseph. He's a stud. Bible says he's a handsome man, well-built, boom. And she's like demanding for him to sleep with her. Demanding so much so that the Bible says that that she was putting pressure on him. 
Like the boy would not, she would not leave him alone. And he said, are you crazy? And I love this about Joseph. He said, you know, your husband has given me authority over everything. The only thing he has not given into my hands is you because you are his wife. But this is what he says after that. But this will be a great sin to my God. See, he's not, he's concerned about, okay, offending Potiphar. But he says, this will be a great sin against my God. And that's what we got to have in our minds and in our hearts. Now, please, people. You know, one day she tries to force him. You know, she tries to force him and, and, and there's nobody around and grabs a hold of him. And he is running away. She rips his cloak and she keeps his cloak with her. And he runs. He goes away. Now, she fabricates this story. This is part of first wife. Fabricates this story about rape. That this is what he did to me. And I have his cloak to prove it. And this is where we pick up the story again in Genesis chapter 39, beginning in verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. Repeat that with me. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love and the love and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all other prisoners and over everything that happened in the, in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed again. You know, may I say to some of you that um, standing for righteousness will cost you? Standing on the side of Jesus will cost you. It cost Joseph. He did not compromise when he was in Potiphar's house. It landed him in jail. He did what was right. And yet. He was incarcerated. But again. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And we read that over and over in the scriptures. How whenever God's people were in a pickle. For some of you brothers and sisters from other countries. Might be like, why, didn't they, why is he talking about a pickle? When God's people were in trouble. In a bad situation. God was there. God is always there. Whether it was Daniel. The three Hebrew boys. Moses. Paul. God was always there. He was always there and he's always there with you and with me. You know, the, the biggest difference is because us be between us and Joseph. A lot of times. Many times we do not recognize it. We do not perceive that God is there with us. You know, my grandpa. Who went to be with the Lord, very wise man, used to always tell us. I remember this from when I was a little guy. He used to say perception is truth. 
What does that mean? That means that if you perceive that you're in a dangerous situation, you're going to act that way. You're going to be on guard. You're going to be attentive. If you're like, ah, oh, all is safe. There's no trouble. You're going to act that way, right? If you perceive that you're alone, you're going to act like you're alone. If you perceive that God is not there, even though he is, you're going to act like he's not. You're going to make decisions based on the fact that you believe God is not with you. You understand? Just because you are in prison. Just because you are in a bad situation. You got to say, hey, I'm here. But you don't, you don't know that he's here. Your reality is, your truth is what you perceive to be true. Which is you're perceiving that God is not with you. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Notice something else that happened. It says that the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. I love this. I just love it. You guys remember about a month ago, Pastor Wool was preaching a message. When John, every time John wrote about himself, he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? You guys remember that? And that's. And that's how sometimes I talk to people. And sometimes I might come across of, wow, you know, this guy really thinks he's all that. It's just the spirit of God is in me. And my daddy promised it. Sorry, I said daddy. My father promised it. <laughs> Some of you caught it. Um, you know, this is my spin on it. When you are God's favorite, you'll become somebody else's favorite. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. Anyway. There's more reasons why. Joseph had to go through Potiphar's house. It wasn't just to get a break. From suffering. Potiphar's house was not for that. It was to grant him access to his destiny. Because this is what happens. Verse 20 says, so he took Joseph, this is Potiphar, took Joseph and threw him in the prison, in the prison where the king's prisoners were held. Whose prisoners? Whose prisoner? That means that now Joseph is rubbing shoulders with people that have been in the palace. He was not going to do that in Potiphar's house. Okay. So, see, for some of you, your prison, you're thinking it's a bad thing. But it's the thing that is really preparing you and positioning you to enter the palace. The story continues. You know, and Joseph handled the prison the same way that he handled Potiphar's house, by the way. The same way. He was just being faithful in the prison, just like he had been before. He's not blaming God. He's not complaining. He's not doing any of that. He's just, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to do I'm going to do what I do. So what happens is in Genesis chapter 40, you know, uh, he gets put in prison. Then then Pharaoh. Um, Pharaoh's uh, chief cup bearer and the baker get put in jail as well. So Pharaoh gets mad at him, puts him in jail, and then they each had dreams. So they come and they had their dream. And then. Joseph interprets their dream because he sees them, how they're downcast. And he's like, hey, what's going on? Why are you guys so, oh, had a dream? Well, I could tell you a dream. Like, oh, you interpret dreams? No, I don't. But God does. <laughs> I love that about him. So he tells them what the dream means. And then this is what he says to the, to the cupbearer who had the, 
the favorable interpretation of the dream. He tells the cover, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well with you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. Three days later, the cupbearer, he goes. He leaves three days later. He's released because Pharaoh's having a big old party, birthday party. And then he gets placed in his old position. What happens? He forgets about Joseph. Have you been forgotten before? But see, God's still, God's still God. He doesn't need the cupbearer. Because two years later, the Bible says, two years later, Pharaoh has two dreams. And then that's when the cupbearer says, uh-oh, I forgot about that guy. You know, because Pharaoh calls in all the magicians and everybody. Okay, tell me the dream, what they mean. They None of them know. They have no clue. Because God gave the dream. And it's only for Joseph to interpret it. You get what I'm saying? So then, it's amazing. He remembers. He calls for Joseph. Joseph come in. Same thing. Pharaoh says, I hear that you interpret dreams. He said, I got no business doing that. But God does. And I can hear from God. And I'll tell you what God says. He said, okay, fine. Tell me. He interprets the dreams. He tells him what's going to happen. And this is what, what, what he tells Pharaoh in uh, chapter 41, verse 34. He says, find, find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of your entire land of Egypt. And then in chapter 41, verse 38, he says, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so, so, so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. So, so God uses the pit, Potiphar's house, and the prison to prepare Joseph for the palace. And ultimately for his destiny. May I suggest to you that you are just in preparation... May I suggest to you that if you, as you stand in the in-between place, God is preparing you. So you can't rule a kingdom from the pit. And you can't rule a kingdom as a slave. You have to be a free man. You have to be a free woman. Joseph's Joseph recipe for success in that in-between place was this. He patiently waited on the Lord. He was faithful while the Lord had him. He did not compromise. He didn't become bitter or a complainer. And he knew God was with him. And more importantly, he knew that God would fulfill his promises. He knew that God will fulfill his promises. That has to be your driving force. To know that God will fulfill his promises to you. That everything that Jesus said will come to pass. God brought Joseph full circle. You can read the the rest of the story. Genesis 42 through 45. You know, the famine gripped the land. And Joseph had been preparing the land of Egypt and his brothers came and they they needed to purchase grain and they came to Egypt. And Joseph seen them. He recognized them. They did not recognize him. He had changed so much. See, the in-between place would change you. 
that in between place will change you. You will not be the same. All the people that you used to hang around with, they're like, who is this? Finally, he revealed himself to them. He forgave them. And ultimately, Joseph's brothers, who at one point wanted to take him out, were able to enjoy the benefits of Joseph's perseverance in the in-between place. You stand for a moment. Joseph's brother, his dad Jacob, the whole household, they ended up moving to Egypt. They all were basking in the in the plenty that was there. They were all enjoying all those benefits. And I got something to say to you, sir. Something to say to you, ma'am. Don't give up. Don't give up in the in-between place. Don't give up. There's somebody else counting on you right now. Don't give up. You might find yourself today in a marriage that's in turmoil. And you're between that marriage that's in turmoil and that happily ever after. You end up in between space and that in between place. Do not give up. You're in between that illness and your healing. Don't give up. You're in between unemployment and the job of your dreams. Don't give up. Don't give up. God is with you. He is faithful and He is faithful to provide. Because he who promised is faithful. And some of you are between condemnation and salvation. I know that you're not condemned because you're here. You're in that between space when you're hearing Satan saying, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. What are you doing at church? Go back and do what you do. You know you're a failure. You know you're garbage. But Jesus says, I died for you. I gave my best for you. I gave it all. I gave up heaven, my throne for you. Two altar calls here. First, I want to talk to those of you that are between condemnation and salvation. Those of you that hear Satan accusing you, but you're here and you're saying, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want, I want to be delivered. I want to be free and not a slave anymore. I want to be free so God will position me for the palace. If that's you, I want to see your hand nice and high. And the reason why I'm doing this is because God says that if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. So if that's you, I just want to see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see you way back there. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I see it up there in the balcony. I see it. Praise God. I'm going to make you do one more thing. And this is really important. Why? Because right now you're taking a step forward. Right now, I'm going to ask you to meet me here because we want to pray for you. Those of you that lifted your hands and you know you need to be right with Jesus, just come over here. A lot of people in this room have done it, including, including myself. Why am I not letting you sit there? Because I don't want Satan to continue to lie to you.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. come up and they're going to pray with you individually okay I'm going to pray for you right now Father I thank you for these oh God that have made this step to follow you thank you Lord Jesus for what you have done in their hearts and in their minds oh God I pray right now that you pour out your spirit upon them I pray oh God that you will baptize them with fire from on high Lord Jesus I pray oh God that you will strengthen them oh God Father that they may walk in this in between place oh God and that they may be prepared and ready for the palace oh Lord thank you for what you're doing in their lives Lord I pray blessing upon them in Jesus name Amen so if the altar workers would pray with them they could do their sinner's prayer now. You that are here, I venture to say that many of you are in the in-between place in your life. Many of you. And some of you might be in the in-between place where it's really comfortable and you're feeling good about things. And it's like, you know what? I'm nice where I am right now. But you know that God is saying, no, I have more. And you need to keep moving forward. I don't want you to stay where you are. And some of you are being really discouraged because you feel like you're locked up. You're going nowhere. I'm going to challenge you to use the gifts that God has given you to prophesy in the prison. Prophesy in the prison. Speak God's word in the prison. Declare the things that are not as though they are in the prison. So if that's you, come up to this altar. And we're, we have a song that I want you to sing as Aaron and, and Morgan lead us. If that's you, just make your way to the altars and we're going to finish you know end the service as you worship as you bring it before the Lord as you say I will be faithful and I will do what you have called me to do